0: the big 12 season awards came out on sunday night and texas tech fans are furious at the amount of snubs that the red raiders suffered we're gonna break down some of the most disgusting ones coming up on today's locked on texas tech
1: you are locked on texas tech Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel already, please do so. I'm going to continue to say it until everybody does. It would greatly, greatly help out the channel. Uh, this episode of Locked On Texas Tech is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. I'm joined by Emory Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst and writer. Emory, it feels like it's been a while since we've both been recording an episode at the same time. and uh, I wish we were in a little bit of a better spirit today, but we've got to talk about some of the big 12 awards because there are some atrocities on this list
1: yeah i mean why don't we just start up top talking about the coach of the year race one that if you would have pulled people a week ago 100 of people would have thought mark adams was going to be coach of the year and i mean at that point it looks like tech was in a good shot at getting at least a tie for second or maybe even first in the conference you had baylor Obviously, it was the time, was still a game back at Kansas. And then, obviously, you had what Iowa State has been doing. But generally speaking, like people thought it was almost a foregone conclusion that Adams was going to win Coach of the Year Big 12, let alone nationally. It was kind of – he was in the top three. And then, suddenly, you get to tonight's awards, and it just looks like Scott Drew was able to pull one off. And um, I, I kind of understand that. I mean, we'll get – We'll get into kind of the merits of Scott Drew as a coach in a second, but I think first off, like Mark Adams doesn't need a Coach of the Year award to see just how great a job he's done. And sure, like the pure numbers don't look great when you look at the preseason expectations to now, depending on where you looked at the polls. It's anywhere to one to three spots better than what the, the media or the coaches expected preseason, but that doesn't tell the whole story of the phenomenal job he's done building this team in the same way that Scott Drew and Baylor's record doesn't do justice in terms of what his coaching job did. So I don't think this is much, as much about Scott Drew being in the wrong for winning coach of the year. I certainly think he's done an outstanding job at Baylor. But, man, I mean, it's crazy how much just a couple late season losses change what people think of Mark Adams because, like, I mean, I think you still have to make a good good argument that he's national coach of the year. I mean, given how he was able to rebuild the roster in the seven-month period before the season, get everyone together, guys that people didn't really think were like preseason All-Americans or anything. It wasn't like Texas where you bring in conference player of the years. So to be able to get this roster into that shape and not end up with a Big 12 coach of the year after sweeping Baylor, after winning 12 games, after going undefeated and throughout the season at home, it's ridiculous, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I really don't like this one uh, at all. Um, I think that I've been monitoring kind of national coach of the year this year, um, obviously trying to figure out just what the pulse is and um, where a guy like Adams would rank in that. And so obviously you've got some prime candidates there, right? Tommy Lloyd has done a phenomenal job at Arizona. Um, Ed Cooley uh, leading a Providence team that, that won its first Big East championship and um, defeated Texas Tech in the process. Um, but there's just... This race, like the Big Twelve race specifically, is very, very surprising to see uh, Scott Drew over Mark Adams. And like, I, I understand the rationale to a degree. Like Baylor um, lost a, a number of players, and they, they've had some injuries this season. And you know they're one of the Big 12's best teams, but. I feel like this is just kind of an honorary award based on what's happened last few seasons with Baylor. Like, uh, Scott Drew is a guy that is respected, um, but is also really liked around this conference. Like, uh, Bill Self is really respected, but there are a number of people who do not like Bill Self, and we'll talk about it openly. Um, But Drew's, like, a good guy. Like, he's a really good guy. Um, He's friendly, he's kind, he's hardworking, and he knows the game of basketball really well. And so I understand um, why he's in this position, but I think when you look at both resumes, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me to have him over Adams right now, Um, primarily because I think that Texas Tech's roster suffered significantly more um, turnover than Baylor's did. I mean, you... Retain the two best players that you retained uh, from your last year roster were fifth and sixth in minutes played this season because they were hurt so much. Terrence Shannon Jr. played 501 minutes this year. That is nuts. That is is not a lot. And so I I understand the injury argument. Uh, Scott Drew is deserving. I I probably would have had him second over TJ Otzelberger just because I I don't think that – uh, what Iowa State did this season was was that impressive? It was obviously a lot better than getting skunked in in conference play again. But I I just kind of feel like this was Mark Adams' award, and I, and I'm surprised to see that he didn't win it.
1: Here's the thing. I'm going to go in and say that a lot of people have underrated what Baylor's had to go through this season. And I think that that carries a fair bit of weight. And within the conference, I can understand the rationale behind people thinking that what Scott Drew did was an exceptional job. And you look at what they were able to do down the stretch, a big 12 play with really all three of their guards dealing with some variation of injury. You had obviously JTT getting hurt and missing the rest of the year. And being able to get into a share of the conference championship was pretty impressive. And, I mean, at the end of the day, like, we're talking about my new things here. Scott Drew, in my opinion, had more to work with, like you mentioned, coming into the year. He had a couple of returning pieces, Matthew Meyer, JTT, Flo um, obviously Adam Flagler, like we mentioned. And then you also had probably a little bit more of an intriguing freshman class coming in with, obviously, Sohan and Kendall Brown. But still, like with the amount of injuries he had to go through, I can understand why he was coach of the year. I think that if it wasn't for what Mark Adams did with this Texas Tech roster, you would say a lot of years he would be able to take take coach of the year. Like I look at a situation like four years ago or five years ago, like twenty seventeen ish. A lot of those years where it was like Kansas winning the conference by one or two games um no real like standouts from the middle of the pack i would say yeah sure give the coach of the year to scott drew for getting into the share of the big 12 championship and sort of managing the injuries but i think this year you have what osselberger did at iowa state which was impressive and being able to get the roster out of the barrel like you mentioned i think it's easier to go from complete bottom of the conference bottom of the power five to being a mid-pack conference team than it is to go from being a mid-pack conference team to a top tier team but That's another argument for another day, and he was certainly worthy as well. But man, I mean, Mark Adams—just the win, the signature wins that he had this year. Like the twelve and six record in conference doesn't do it justice because you look at a team that managed to sweep the defending national champions in Baylor, and not only that, but sweep a team that really, like, throughout the season was ranked ahead of them. They beat Kansas at at home without your two best, your two returning best players from last year, and you also picked up a big win over Tennessee. You swept Texas in the Chris Beard rivalry and you did all of these things and it's just to not end up with coach of the year it's frustrating and again i get why scott drew won i don't think this is a big as big of an injustice as some people are making it out to be because scott drew tj ossenberger obviously chris or obviously mark adams to some degree jamie dixon as well like all of those guys had coaching years that in a lot of times would be up towards being coach of the year type tier but at the end of the day it sucks because Mark Adams should have won the award. I think we all know that, but move on and hopefully we get some redemption when it comes to the national coach of the year race.
0: Quick fired question. Give me a yes or no. If Texas Tech beats TCU or Oklahoma State, does Mark Adams win coach of the year? Yes.
1: Okay. Interested. Yeah. I all think
0: right, I, I agree with you.
1: I think if you literally split those games and you come within a game of Baylor and Kansas, that changes the calculus a little bit.
0: Yep, I completely agree with you and I'm sure that uh nobody wants those games back uh more than Mark Adams and probably not for the sake of the award, but for the sake of just continuing to win basketball games. We've talked we've got to talk about Bryson Williams not winning Big Twelve newcomer of the year, but first a quick word from our sponsors. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance, props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. March Madness is just over one week away, that means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here and we're running brackets with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or PickX. They have options to edit scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks, all stuff you're not going to find at ESPN or CVS. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter pure madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Be sure to check out the uh, Locked On bracket breakdown March 14th right here on the Locked On Texas Tech podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup. It'll be uh, the second time that Andy Patton ends up on our podcast feed. Good, good dude. He's going to have a lot of good stuff to say on that show. But for now, we are focused on Bryson Williams, not winning Big 12 Newcomer of the Year, which was a little surprising to me, especially when you look at the all-Big 12 teams. He is the only Texas Tech member player to crack any of the top three all-Big 12 teams. He was a unanimous first-teamer, obviously unanimous all-newcomer team, and the Newcomer of the Year ends up going to Isaiah Brockington of Iowa State. Emery, what did you think about this one? Do you think that it was a greater snub than Mark Adams or somewhere in the middle?
1: I think it was less of a snub. I think out of all of the awards that you could argue the Tech got snubbed out of, I would say that this is the most defensible. And for me, I guess it's a little bit of an optical discussion because I would say that if you're looking at overall like first team, second team, third team, Usually those are more team dependent and team success dependent. And I think that's why people saw the amount of success that Bryson Williams had on Texas Tech and saw the success that Texas Tech had. And there's really no reason Bryson Williams couldn't be on the first team, which is why it was a unanimous selection. When it comes to the newcomer of the year, though, and you have Brockington, he was the engine for Iowa State's offense for a good portion of the year. I mean, the roster without him really just did not have a lot of self-creation. And, I mean, you look at the impact he had. He had a stretch of games in the Big 12, which really sort of fueled them to the tournament. If, he, if they dropped those games for Brockington, had a string, of, I think it was four straight games of 20 or more, then it's very likely that they don't end up on the tournament or at a minimum are sweating an outcome selection Sunday. So for him to come up with those performances, he averaged over 17 for the year. He was pretty efficient while doing it and took on a lot of ball handling responsibilities as well. So you have all of that going for him. And Bryson Williams had an exceptional season. He had the game in Allen Fieldhouse, which I thought was probably one of the best games we've seen a Tech player have in the last decade. And in general, he was the really the main ignition for Tech's offense to a fault at times. But certainly he was really relied upon and was very efficient. But Brockington just took on so much of the load as a guard for Iowa State. And I feel like it's kind of the like feel-good story of him coming in kind of single-handedly changing the tide of the program alongside their coach and alongside sort of a couple other guys like Tyrese Hunter, for example, that sort of swung the momentum. Like I think Bryson Williams, if it was up to me, would have won the award. But at the same time, Brockington's at least a defensible pick because he did have some efficient moments. His volume throughout conference play was really impressive. And I mean, it is what it is. I don't have as much of an issue with this as some of the other picks that we'll get into later.
0: Yeah, so this is actually a really interesting kind of like subset that we could talk about here and just issue that gets talked about a lot about awards, um, specifically whenever people are talking about like MVP and what does it mean to truly be the most valuable player? Um, And and while that's not necessarily what we're considering here, I do think that when you look at what Brockington provided for this Iowa State team, it's unquestionable that he might have been the most valuable player on a team in the big 12 this year. I mean, just thinking about what Iowa state would have looked like without him this year is unthinkable. I mean, this is a team that scored 36 points in a game. And to imagine what you would do whenever you're taking away a guy that averaged 18 points per game in conference play, it's pretty, pretty terrifying. Uh, honestly, if you're an Iowa state fan or if you're a, uh, TJ Otzelberger fan. I think that Brockington man. Uh, it- it's a good pick. I, I wish that it wasn't uh, because I-, I really like Bryson Williams. I thought he had a heck of a year. Um, I'm-, I'm really glad that he is a Red Raider, and I thought that he made the most out of his singular season here. But um, very, very hard to to contest with the Brockington pick. Um, let's take a quick look at at the other three All Big Twelve teams. There are no Texas Tech members on any of the other three teams, four Red Raiders made honorable mention, Adonis Arms, Kevin McCuller, Kevin O'Banner, and Marcus Santos-Silva. Are there any players on that list that surprise you or any snubs from that list that surprise you?
1: Okay, I think David McCormick making third team all big like 12 is absolutely ridiculous. Um, when you have a guy that got benched halfway through the season was a net negative in a good amount of the conference games that he played – is relatively inefficient for his size at the rim and whenever can whenever kansas is running their best lineup it doesn't involve him it makes no sense for him to be on a conference team and i don't think it he should have necessarily been replaced by a tech guy i think it's just kind of the way that the season worked out for them that it ended up being that they had so many honorable honorable mention guys because guys like mcculler you could say well he missed too many games and that would be kind of a valid excuse because i don't think McCullough really was as impactful as some someone that would be like on a big 12 team in spite of injuries I think if I was doing my own personal ballot I would have taken that into consideration I think you could say arms and O'Banner kind of had their inconsistencies at times and Santos Silva just purely off a roll if you look at the analytics for Santos Silva it would easily he would easily be on the all-conference team but at the end of the day like you can't have Any of the, like, all of those guys have valid reasons as to why they're not on. But having McCormick on a Big 12 team I think is ridiculous. I think Avery Anderson's another kind of questionable decision as well. Like, again, inefficiency for Oklahoma State. It's the same sort of argument. Like, when you have a guy that at times is actively hurting his team, and this time it isn't, like, something that was, like, a three- or four-game stretch. This was the whole conference season. Avery Anderson struggled with efficiency. And he didn't really put up the volume numbers either to really be able to justify that take. And even on the back end, I thought Jalen Wilson was maybe a little bit of a questionable choice. I think certainly he heated up in conference play. And if I remember correctly, Big 12 teams are primarily focused on what happens during conference season. But still, I mean, the third team for me was the big point of contention. I think the first team, they got all five right. I personally would have had Flagler over Akinjo, but that's also me being biased towards Adam Flagler, as I've mentioned numerous times on here. And I think the second team is almost perfect outside of that one aforementioned sub. But, man, the third team, just having McCormick on there and to a lesser degree having Avery Anderson on there is just ridiculous to me.
0: I got a hot take about the first team. Go for it. Mike Miles over Kenjo.
1: I think it's fair. I would have had Flagler over him, but you could go with Mike Miles. I think it... The thing about Akinjo is there were certain games this year where he carried Baylor's offense. I think having Flagler and Cryer banged up for a significant significant amount of the year played a lot into that. But I also think the inconsistencies that he has as a guard are really, they're tough to ignore, especially against a guy like Mike Miles. And again, I think at their peaks, I like Flagler more than I like Akinjo. But certainly, I mean, I think you could go either way with that.
0: Uh, Miles games against Texas Tech and Kansas that led to two monster wins for TCU essentially sealing their place in the tournament is why he would have my vote for first team. I I think that he was a brilliant player um, for for most of the Big 12 season, but those two games, he just turned it on when it mattered most, and so he gets my vote there. Other than that, I'm with you. Most everything checks out. I'm really interested to know who voted for Marcus Santos Silva. Not because I think it's wrong. In fact, I, I kind of think it's like, especially right. Like talk about a guy that's providing value for you, even when he's not showing up in the box score. Just I'm really interested to see who voted for him. But nonetheless, uh, maybe we'll know eventually, maybe not. In the meantime, we've got to talk about this all Big 12 defensive team as upset as it's going to make me. But first, a word from our sponsors. I love March Madness and bracket contest, but I can't remember the last time I actually went deep and won any money. I'm hedging my bets this year with Stat Hero. Stat Hero's NCAA single pick 'em games pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in the gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you are going up against stat hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fix the simple sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes this is what daily fantasy was meant to be stat hero this is the time of year that i've pretty much given up on all my new year's resolutions but not this year i'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to built bar it almost feels like it's not a resolution because i actually enjoy eating built bar products they're not just a protein bar they're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They are low in calorie, high in protein. Replace your favorite candy bars with these. They are better. Go to Built.com and scroll down the macros chart. You're going to be blown away. They are high in protein, low in calorie, high in fiber, and low in carb. Go to Built.com today to get your hands on some of your own. All right. We, we've talked to Mark Adams, Coach of the Year, Snub. We, we've discussed maybe Bryson Williams should have been newcomer of the year but now i think it's time for us to discuss where where i know you and i kind of have some issues on different things but uh the all big 12 defensive team is not good it, it is just it is not good um and, and that's just that's displayed most in the fact that three dudes won defensive player of the year in this conference um which doesn't make sense like i don't, I don't want to do the Rosting bit but like Why, why are there three dudes winning one award? It doesn't, doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then the defensive team, it's just, it's, it's all over the place, man. And I've got a bone to pick about Malik Wilson. Um, but I, I, I understand the counter argument against why Wilson isn't here, but even without that, I I feel like there's a lot that is just not good here. Emory, get the ball rolling for us. What do you see on here that you do not like? Well, first
1: off, you've literally got a player in Jonathan Chamachashua, who isn't even top three on his own team in pretty much any defensive metric you look at, whether it be Evan Maya's stats, whether it be DBPM, you look at his block rate, it's nothing exceptional, Thamba beats him there. Then obviously you look at the lineup stats, and they literally posted a better defensive rating over the last five games when he was out due to injury which is another point. He missed five games. Like, I, I really feel bad for him. I think he's an integral part to what they do as a team. I think his rebounding is really good. But at some point, when you miss almost a third of the conference season and you were really more of a situation rotation player than, like, a star player getting a lot of minutes, in Chama Chachua's case, it just makes it so difficult for him to be any sort of player of the year. And defensive player of the year, it's just not what he's good at, you know? Like, for me the strength of Baylor's team on defense has almost always been in their wings with a Kendall Brown association with the Matthew Meyer. Like all of those guys are really versatile. And then you have Thamba's rim protection, even though he's kind of a little bit of a liability on the perimeter, but all of those guys, I feel like literally every single one would have been a better pick for all defensive first team than Chama Chachua. And he made it and won player of the year. That is probably the strangest pick I've ever seen. Then you've got, You've got the guards which I mean I kind of get seeing DeWan Harris and Marquise Noel on the team like both of those guys are kind of pesky on on-ball defenders but I really just I mean it's frustrating to me because it makes me wonder what the big 12 coaches that voted on this really saw in each of these guys because for me I look at Noel and I look at DeWan Harris and both of those guys from an off-ball perspective in terms of matchups like they're not some of the stronger defenders in the conference. I would say a guy like Damian Ball from TCU is a better guard defender than either of those guys. And I feel like the tape backs that down more than the pure steel stats. And I mean, for both of those, I kind of get the rationale, but Sean should not have been on there. They gave of Savoy. And I've talked about him a lot as a wing defender. He's about as good as they come in the country. And I completely get him getting co-defensive player of the year, or whatever, but it's, and obviously, Musa say, I mean, we saw on Saturday what he can do. He's a really good rim protector. Maybe a little bit overvalued if you just look at the pure block numbers. I think that sometimes those numbers get a little bit inflated by just how much of a rock fight type team Oklahoma State is. And in some ways, the amount of rim pen, penetration that they give up. But certainly, Cissé, I understand his argument. But, I mean, it's the two guards and especially... Jonathan Chamashachua, for me, that just, it does not make any sense.
0: Malik Wilson had five more blocks and 17 more steals than JTT this season. And JTT is the conference player of the year.
1: Malik Wilson is literally third nationally in DVPN
0: over the defensive player of the year. And Walker yeah. Kessler, and yeah. and Chet, and yeah, Chet. and
1: DVPM is traditionally a stat that gets inflated for bigs as well, and even then JTT was not even close to the top of the conference. If you look at DVPM, and I get the that that's looking at counting stats, but you don't need to watch, like you don't need to look at the counting stats. You can just literally watch the games. I know I'm going to sound like one of those like oh you don't know ball type person people but literally like jtt there's nothing about him that would scream defensive player of the year like if you want to give him like six man of the year if he was coming off the bench or if you want to talk about his importance i'd even say it like he's he would be an underrated third team selection but you just can't have him as a defensive player of the year like it's an injustice i'm I get the argument against Malik Wilson. I've talked about how I feel like if he played seventy percent of text minutes, he would be in contention for Defensive Player of the Year nationally. I won't back down from that. I think um, in terms of conference teams, there's a valid reason for him not to be on the team. I think it's just minutes played. But then again, Oso Boyan wasn't particularly egregiously heavy in minutes played either. If I remember correctly, he was sub sixty percent. So, like you've got these, you've got these contrasts, and just. Like the rest of the team, sure, but just seeing JTT on there and no tech players in general. Like it's not even Miley Wilson. Like you could take Nadolny. you could take Kevin McCuller. I mean, McCuller did miss some games, but so did JTT. And uh, you're talking about a guy that's a national semifinals for defensive player of the year, someone that is one of the better all ball defenders in the nation. And then you've also got other guys. You got Davion Warren if you want a pure on ball guy. Certainly, one of the better quicker hands and quicker reflexes in the conference. Like, I just don't know what they were doing there. That's, that's my take on it. Like JTT, no hate to the dude. I think he's an outstanding guy, outstanding player, but just him being on the defensive team is, it's crazy.
0: I, I just don't get it. <laughs> like, I, I, I really don't. I mean, in terms of counting stats, it, it, it doesn't make sense. In terms of film, like are we are we giving dudes defensive player of the year now for being able to like switch on ball screens? If that's the we're, case, then, like why then why it is it into the this list? Like honestly, I
1: mean, You Like if we're giving it for switching bigs, then why have we not been giving it to? Why have we not put Central Silva on the team, and why are we not giving it to? the bigs at both Texas and Texas Tech. And even, to be honest with you, like even a a team like TCU, I feel like, does a better job of switching if you're just looking at how their big switch than Baylor. One of the keys to Baylor's late season run has been the amount of minutes that they're running small ball with Sokin at the five and kind of being forced to run small. And you can see the improvements they've made in switching. Like, if we're just looking at the eye test and looking at switchability, JTT is not the guy that I think would win out there. If you're looking at counting stats, doesn't win there. If you're looking at rim protection, I could probably name eight or nine better rim protectors in the conference alone. Like, ah, that's out of all of the selections this year. You know, you could say Scott Drew, coach of the year. I can kind of understand that. If you're just looking at what he had to overcome. obviously Brockington, we've got into him. If you're looking at player of the year, Igbaji makes sense. If you're looking at pretty much any other selection, even David McCormick on third team conference, like, do I agree with it? No. But I think that there's at least some avenue. But I don't even think you could say, oh, it's a reputation pick for JTT because he's never been reported as that good of a defender. You know, like, it's not one of those things where, like, he's got the Osavoyan reputation or, like, back in the day, like a Mark Vidal type reputation. Like, no, he's just an effort guy, a hostile guy that's really good on the boards, can switch okay, I guess, and isn't a liability. That's what I would say about his defensive ability.
0: It's not a good pick. Um, everything else on this team, I'm I'm fine with Cisse. Um Obviously, like you mentioned, I, I think the counting stats are, are really, really high here, and, and that's obviously going to be one of the main ways that these awards are selected and so that that's a pick that makes sense i think that he's a good shot blocker anyways um Oseboyan, yeah i'm fine with that just in terms of his versatility and what he does um Marquise noel i actually kind of like this pick i think that he was a little bit of an underrated on ball defender had really really good hands obviously struggled a little bit in off ball and also um, just keeping up on switches because the dude, the dude's really, really small. Like he's really, really small. Um, but his hands are really good. Um, he had a steal rate that was higher than Malik Wilson's, which is uh, not, not easy to do this season. Um, and, and I don't like the Dewan Harris pick, like just, just honestly, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. Like the, the counting stats are there. Um but but the dude has played so many minutes that when you look at it from a rate stat standpoint, he he's middle of the pack, and, and he's a he he's a liability off the ball. He's a liability on switches. I I I don't like I don't like that pick. Not not very much at all.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think Harris Harris is a bigger injustice than Noel. I think Noel is probably one of the three or four best on ball defenders in the Big Twelve. And certainly, if you're just looking at process of elimination, most of the other guys that are up there that could maybe be better off the ball are guys that didn't really play enough minutes or weren't in a role. Like, K-State really relied on him as a point-of-attack defender. And so I kind of get that, even though it's not really what I would look at in terms of evaluating, like, my favorite defenders. But Dewan Harris, like, there's a number of guards in the Big 12 that I feel like were probably more deserving of, of that. I mean, even we've talked about Akinjo, but I think he would be – a reasonable pick for Baylor obviously Matthew Meyer like if you if you want to look at rate stats Meyer's up there even though I'm not sure the eye test really backs that up as much and then obviously Miley Wilson Davion Warren from Tech you've got guys like Marcus Carr at Texas I mean Damian Ball I already mentioned at TCU and just really a couple other guys like Micah Peavy even I thought could have had an outside shot at that and so for Dewan Harris to get it, like I guess they kind of figured, hey, Kansas needs at least one person on this team. They won the conference. Their defense is not all that good, but hey, I mean, DeWan Harris gets a few steals every once in a while. So and he's a decent on ball defender. So let's just give him a all well, first team Big Twelve defense honor.
0: It's bad, man. Uh, awards are stupid, honestly. That that those are my closing thoughts. O- awards are really, really dumb.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we should just settle this all on the court, you know, one-on-one king of the court style. You get five best defensive records, End up, they end up getting the all-conference team. Let's just do away with coaches voting on anything. Just do, a, do away with voting in general. No coaches preseason poll, no media poll, no anything, just on the court. All results.
0: Mark Adams would definitely win in 21 against Scott Drew and TJ. There, there's not a chance, man.
1: Oh, he fought a bear. He can do anything. I've got that's a... right. Yeah, no doubt about it.
0: Well, thank you all for tuning in to our Big 12 season awards recap. Um, we are sorry to be the bearer of bad news and just deliver the fact that Texas Tech has gotten absolutely snubbed on some of these awards. But luckily our tone will be a little bit more positive as the week goes on, as we will be beginning to look at the Big 12 tournament. Texas Tech and Iowa State will match up on Thursday. We will begin our coverage in that game, taking a look at what Texas Tech has done in the past against the Cyclones and what they can repeat. So be sure that you are keeping up with us wherever you listen, um, subscribe to our feed, leave us a review if possible, Go subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not already. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at rmainvilllbk. You can follow Emory at eracer41. And you can follow the official Locked on Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked on TTU. Thank you all for making Locked on Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.